Welcome back to another Mams Outsider Podcast with your host, Dustin. Putting together my beginning of the week pod for the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you know, there's wasn't a lot of news since my last pod, but, uh, you know, I'll get into the little that there is, and then I'll go over uh, kind of what's going, around, going on around the uh, NBA playoffs and a little bit of news around the league. So... As far as the Dallas Mavericks are concerned, um, <clears throat> they I don't remember if they had made it official yet or not by the time I made my last pod, but you know they did hire that Nico Harris as the general manager, um, the guy from Nike, and they did hire Jason Kidd as the head coach. Um, now the the rumor is, is that. Uh, Kid is bringing in J.J. Barea and Jason Terry, which um, I do like. Uh, I, I think, for me, the J.J. Barea uh, hire is kind of the most important. Um, you know, Barea, Barea, I felt like I felt like some of the guys on the team, like Luca and even Porzingis, kind of looked up to Barea. Um, I thought it was a huge mistake to not sign Berea. I, I thought it was very dumb of the Mavericks to pick Trey Burke over Berea. Um, I, I thought Berea was... I thought Berea could still play. You know, a lot of people don't remember uh, the first half of last season because of the bubble. But J.J. Berea was having actually a really good year last year to start the season. Um, he was playing a lot of minutes. Um, and maybe I'm getting, you know what, I, I might be getting my years confused. I'm sorry, it wasn't to start the bubble. I, I or to start the year last year. Um, I, it was the year prior. The year prior to last year, was, J.J. Barea was having one of his better years. Um, it was Dirk's last year, and it was Luca's rookie year. And J.J. was having one of the best years of his career. Um, I, I don't have it in front of me. I, I guess I could look it up while I'm talking. J.J. Barea was obviously brought back because... Um, the, obviously, he was a uh, friend of Dirk. And... You know, he, he was brought back, and when they drafted Luca, I, I think people, I think because, you know, Luca, from what I understand, is he um, is more comfortable, um, he's more comfortable talking in Spanish, is what they say. And um, so for him, being able to talk to JJ. And JJ being a kind of like coach-like player on the bench, you know, I, I thought was big for him. Now, last year, um, I guess Dallas was. Um, let's see, the nineteen twenty season was the the bubble year, so JJ played twenty nine games last year, and. He only averaged seven points a game. Now, he was coming off of an Achilles injury. Um, it was the year 
prior to that, it was uh, Luca's rookie year. JJ was averaging ten points a game, ten point nine. There, that was that's basically the second highest, or probably third highest in his career. I guess prior to Luca's rookie year, JJ averaged eleven point six. Back in 2011, 2012, and 2012, 2013, he averaged 11.3. Well, there were three years he averaged 10.9. And he was averaging 10.9. He was averaging 5.6 assists, which was the looks like the third highest he had ever um, recorded. It, it looks like his best season of his career was the year prior to, or statistically, I should say, was the year prior to Luca being there. You know, he... That was a bad team, though. They they obviously were really bad, and he got a lot of minutes. Um, he get, he played twenty three minutes. It was one of the highest he played, and you know I just for, for me I I just felt it was a mistake to not bring him back. So I I think bringing JJ back is the right move. I I think JJ can help as far as getting movement in the offense one of the things i did hear is that the mavericks were going to run more um, from what i understand they were bottom in the league as far as fast break points and i think that's not good you can't um i just don't think you can run half court offense every time uh i i think i think running more often helps you um I like Jason Terry coming in. Uh, the only thing, the one thing Jason Terry I feel like may, might help with is one of the most difficult plays to defend in basketball, I think, is pick and roll. There's a lot of guys who can't defend the pick and roll. And Jason Terry was really good towards the end there, the Mavs team, of the pick and roll with Dirk. And I, I think all of that can help the Mavs as a team, you know, uh, just score, you know. I, I think, I think they have the ability to make it to where, you know, maybe Porzingis is more involved in the offense. You know, I I don't necessarily think they should trade Porzingis. I, I think they should figure out a way to get him involved. Um, now, obviously, if a trade comes up, that's no no brainer. You do it, but. I don't think they should go into the offseason thinking, you know, let's trade Porzingis. You know, I think they should be, hey, let's figure out how to run a proper offense. I, I thought the offense last year was te- terrible. I thought the year before last they ran a better offense. Um, Porzingis was involved, and the I felt like the coaches made it to where he was involved, but uh, they even said it. In the press conference, Porzingis was a decoy in the Clippers series, and I think that's so ignorant. How are you going to use your second best player as a decoy? Who's going to score then? And that's where ultimately the problem came. Nobody else was there to score the ball. Luka had to score it all, and then they're talking about, well, Luka's hard to play with. Well, no, it was the stupid offense they were running. And I just, I really hope they find a way to improve the offense. And I, I just, I, I think. I think Jason Kidd coming in is a good thing. I know there's a lot of off-the-court stuff that people disagree with, and 
I tend to stay away from all that in my pods, and I know people think that's stupid or whatever. We should pay attention to that, but I, I'm one of those... I'm one of those as if you if you commit a crime and you do your time and we you have to be let back in society. We can't just toss people off. That's that's stupid. That's not how you run a society. So obviously he committed a crime, he did his time, so what's the argument? You know, he, he didn't do it again. So you know, if it was something that was done chronically, that's another story. But the fact that it's never been done again, obviously he learned from it. So let's move on. Um, but you know, some people don't like, some people don't think that he was a good coach in Milwaukee. Um, the only thing I could say about that is for one, I believe Giannis was like 22 when he was playing or when he was coaching in Milwaukee. Um, to think that Giannis should be competing for a title at 22 is pretty stupid. Obviously Giannis was a special player back when Kidd was coaching him. And I know people believe that Bud took him to the next level, but I think that Giannis was getting to that next level on his own. The one thing that I like that Kid did was that Kid put him, I felt, in the best position to succeed on the court as far as scoring, you know, playing closer to the basket. And while his stats might be prettier now with shooting threes because he's scoring more points, you know, his three-point percentage is pretty poor. You know, his free throw percentage is poor. I, I just felt that the way Giannis is built, he, he's better to be more of a center than he is a guard. And I felt that Kid wanted him to be a center, whereas Bud wanted him to be a guard. And I, I think we're seeing the effects of that because now Giannis isn't attempting very many three-pointers in these this latest series. You know, he's he's not shooting them because he can't. He's shooting them terribly. And their offense shouldn't be, you know, Giannis on at the top of the key. Their, their offense should be kind of old school. You can still win that way. You know, this idea that the mid-range jumper is out is dumb. I just think it's dumb. The mid-range jumper still works. It's still a viable play. And I, because I, I think, I think Luca took more mid range jumpers this year than he's ever taken. And yeah, I, I just think it showed that it's, it, it works. You know, look at Durant and Kawhi. They're full of mid range shots. Are we telling them they're dumb for taking those? Of course not. You know, a lot of people like DeMar DeRozan don't even take threes. Now, um, moving on to, say, Mavs rumors. Um, one of the players that is still linked to him is DeRozan. Um, some people think that it might be Cal, uh, Lowry and DeRozan. Now, honestly, I, I, I would rather spend my money elsewhere other than Kyle Lowry. I think Kyle Lowry is going to want way too much money. And I just don't think he's the player people think he is or even was. I think Kyle Lowry's a really good player. But... I think I, I just think that having Luca and DeRozan as a backcourt would make the team so much better than trying to make Luca, Lowry, and DeRozan fit. Because I, I just don't think because then you're moving DeRozan into a position that I just don't think makes them successful. So that's just my opinion. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. But I prefer DeRozan over Lowry and then bringing in maybe a big 
that can play next to Porzingis. Because if you keep Porzingis, I feel like you got to bring someone in that can play next to him. Somebody like your, you know, Rashard Holmes or, um, heck, even if like Enos Cantor is um, available. I don't know if he is or not. I don't know what his contract situation is. I haven't paid attention to any of that. Um, but the way I see it is, you know, some people believe you can't play Cantor because of his he lacks defense. But I just I feel like if there's a guy like um, Porzingis, and I I don't know, but I, I, it's probably kind of dumb to say because Porzingis had a struggling year at defense because he. The year prior, he was so much better protecting the rim, and then last year, he was so bad at it. So saying that, it's kind of bad, but I I think Porzingis can be that guy. I I just, you know, this is the first year in so many years that he's gone into an offseason where he's actually healthy. So I hate to kind of cast out a guy who's finally healthy going into the offseason who might actually play well next season, especially if you bring in a coaching staff who wants to implement him into the offense. And so... Even a guy like Enos Cantor could improve Dallas's um, rebounding and you know offensive rebounding and you know scoring down low. Dallas has nobody that can score down low except Luca. It's like Luca's the best rebounder they have right now. He's the best paint scorer they have right now, and it's very difficult for your guard to be the best at all of that. And they need somebody else in there to to do that. And even if it is somebody like an Enos Cantor, like I said, I don't know if he's available or not, but even if it is someone like him, you know, John Collins is a guy that you could put next to Porzingis. Um, I don't know if Atlanta's going to keep him. Some people believe they will, but at the same time, Atlanta's going to have to pay Trey Young and Kevin Herter here pretty soon. So, you know, they're, they're paying Gallinari a lot of money now and Bogdanovich a lot of money. So are they going to pay Collins a lot of money too and Herter and Trey Young. I, I don't know. I feel like one of those three are gonna be on another team and I think they like Herter more than they like Collins because um I guess that a Kwangu guy is his name. He's a guy you can put in that spot. <coughs> so I think I think there's a better chance to get Collins than most people believe because I just don't think that Atlanta's going to pay all those people. I think they're already looking at it and thinking, you know, we can keep Herder, we can keep Young, we need to let Collins go and replace him with a Kwangu. And, you know, they have Reddish who just has barely played. I think he played last game, but he's barely played. He's still a guy you can, you know, add to your team that you're building you still got DeAndre Hunter, who hasn't played much this year. Um, those are two guys you still have. And I know John Collins is good, but you know his stats did go down this year. But I think that's because um, stats for other guys, you know, other guys were included. You know, Bogdanovich is obviously going to be scoring. So is Gallinari, you know. Young scores more. Harder scores more. You know, it's it was only a matter of time before a guy like Collins' numbers were going to go down because there's more players on that. That team was more talented than they've ever been. This is the most talent that Atlanta's had in years. So I believe Collins is a guy that uh, Mavs actually might have a chance at. And if, if you can figure out a way to bring Collins and DeRozan, I don't know if that's possible. 
But if you can figure that out, I, that would be fantastic. Um, as far as other names that are rumored, I know everybody loves the Dame Lillard um, conspiracy. I, I, I don't know if that's real. Um, I, I, I just can't see Portland letting him go. I feel like, you know, Portland's hired Chauncey Billups as a coach. I think Billups was one of the players Portland wanted, or Lillard wanted, one of the coaches Lillard wanted. He wanted either Billups or Kidd. I feel like Billups was one of them he wanted, so he might be satisfied. The only thing is, is Portland just doesn't have the roster, and I don't think they will next year either. I, I don't see an avenue for them getting better. Um, I saw, I, I think Carmelo's even a free agent. I saw where the Lakers might even sign him. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of sign and trade where they get Kuzma out of it. I don't know. I just don't know what Portland's going to do. You know, CJ McCollum is a good player. But he's not a guy I think you can rely on every night. And, you know, it's real tough when you look at um, some of these duos that are in the league. You know, uh, Brooklyn's the only team that kind of has the the three-headed monster. You know, Harden, Kyrie, and Durant. Um, maybe Milwaukee. I don't know if some people are including Milwaukee in that with Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday. I don't know if they're necessarily a three-star. You know, they're three all-stars. But you look at around the league, you know, Kawhi and George, you know, you, you're you going to get, I think, more from Paul George than you are from C.J. McCollum. And, you know, you got Davis and LeBron. You're going to get a lot from Davis, you know, and then obviously from LeBron. You know, even... Even the way Murray and Jokic were playing, you, you were getting a lot from Murray and Jokic. And th that was a sneaky good team until Murray got hurt. Um, Phoenix, to me, just had a good team. You know, because Booker's a great scorer. You know, Paul doesn't score a lot. It's Booker that does all the scoring. Now, Aiton could be their number two as far as the duo, you know, obviously Chris Paul's the guy, the engine that runs, you know, that runs that. But like I said, Chris Paul doesn't score a lot. So they rely on other guys, and Aiton is one of those guys. And Aiton has had an incredible playoff. So I just think McCollum, he's just not that guy. And, you know, McCollum, you know, one every three or four or five games will score 40. Problem is in those other games, what's he scoring? You know, and and I'm gonna get into Middleton here in a minute because that's kind of Middleton from last night. But uh, I just I don't know if Lillard will be traded. If Lillard is traded, I, I don't know what chance Dallas has of getting him. Um, honestly, I I don't know if Portland, unless he says specifically trade me to Dallas, you know, Portland might want to trade him to the Eastern Conference. You know, just to so they don't have to compete against them. So I don't know what's gonna go come of that. You know, maybe Portland gives Billups one year to see how it goes, or maybe gives the team one more year to see what they can do and for off season. 
but we'll see. Um, other than that, I, I think that's it with all the Mavs rumors as far as, you know, right now. Um, I guess Luca plays in the qualifying tournament, kind of starts, I think, maybe tomorrow. I could be wrong, but I think Slovenia doesn't play till the 30th. Um, I need to get all that because I'm going to try and watch it or keep up with it or see if I can find it and watch it. Um, I would like to see some of those qualifying games. I got to figure out when it is that this tournament's happening and, you know, how I can watch it. If maybe it's online or whatever. Um, <coughs> oh, sorry. So as far as the playoff games now, obviously there's four teams left. The game last night was Milwaukee, Atlanta. Um, the, Milwaukee won the game, and their biggest reason was the quarter, the fourth quarter that Middleton had. Middleton himself outscored the Hawks in the fourth quarter. I believe the Hawks scored 17, and Middleton had 20. Now, this morning, um, what, you know, we here in America, I know, like I said, I have some people outside America listening. So here in America, you know, they call it the Monday morning quarterback, you know, the, the guy, the talking heads that get on and talk after one game like things are this way every game but Middleton had 38 and had a really good game and he was pretty much the reason they won the game and people are coming out today talking about how better how one guy said Middleton's the Batman and Giannis is Robin and like I said it's very knee-jerk reactions but a lot of people don't pay attention or they kind of forget that, you know, the next game, you know, game four, Middleton could score 15 or 12, you know. That's the player he is. He had a great game. Yeah, he did, and that's awesome. But how many great games this series are you going to get? One, maybe two? You know, Giannis is the one that brings it every night. You know, he scored 33. He had 11 rebounds, four assists, you know. It's like... Giannis is the guy who shows up every night and scores 30-plus. Middleton just does not do that, and he's so inconsistent. It reminds me a lot of Tim Hardaway. Now, he's a better Tim Hardaway Jr., but it reminds me a lot of Tim Hardaway Jr., where you'll get one or two nights in a row where Hardaway scoring 25, 30 points, but then you'll have two or three games in a row where you're wondering if Hardaway's even on the team. And Chris Middleton's been that guy. He's been that guy for several years now. Um, to me, that's the reason that Milwaukee's never done anything. It reminds me a lot of Jason Terry. You know, for years, Dirk was the primary scorer in Dallas, and Terry was the secondary scorer. And during the during the regular season, it worked. You know, they won a lot of games. But when the playoffs come along. Teams were like, Jason Terry's not going to beat us. He hasn't shown that he can beat a team. And so Dirk would get doubled and triple teamed, and Jason Terry would be there available to win your score, and he just didn't perform. It wasn't until 2011 where Terry really showed up and really showed what he can do. But for a lot of years, Jason Terry really didn't do much in the playoffs, and it really affected Dallas's chances you know to do anything because all you had to do was double and triple dirk 
because nobody else was going to beat you. And that's kind of what you did with Milwaukee. Just build the wall. Don't let Giannis near the rim. And Milwaukee won't beat you because Middleton probably can't do it. Now, they seem to be getting, you know, a good game from Middleton one game and then a good game from Holiday the next because Holiday's game was not good. Um, you know, it's funny. Is if The reason a lot of people don't like the plus-minus stat is when you look at Pat Connaughton's plus-minus. Pat Connaughton scored five points and had eight rebounds, and he was a plus-25. He led Milwaukee. That kind of shows you the... The uh, the reason people don't like the plus minus. Um, Bobby Portis, I thought, had a really good game. Um, Bobby Portis is a good player that, you know, when people talk about, when people make excuses for the Mavs not improving, you know, a couple years ago, you know, the whole thing was the fans were mad because Dallas didn't improve their team. And it's like, well, Dallas wasn't going to get LeBron. Dallas wasn't going to get Kawhi. Why are the fans so mad? It's like, well, it's because you pass on guys like Bobby Portis. You know, Is Bobby, Bobby Portis an all-star? No, he's not. But is he better than what you have? Yeah, he is. You know, And, and it goes with the two Bogdanoviches. You know, the Bogdanovich that went to Utah. Dallas could have had him. You know, Is he an all-star? Well, no. Is he going to be your best player? No. But is he better than what you have? Well, yes, he is. He makes the team better. So does the other Bogdanovich. You know, he's a better player than what's after Luka. You know, it's like the fact that they just failed to bring in guys like that to improve their team is why they've lost in the first round every year. And if guys like Bobby Portis, who can have a game like he had and affect the game like he did – is why you go after guys like him. And Dallas just didn't do that the last couple of years. And again, that's the Monday morning quarterback comes out and they see Trey Young in the Eastern Conference Finals and he's like, oh yeah, he's better than Luka. It's like, well, pump your brakes there. <laughs> you know, Atlanta's got the better team. You know, it's still a team sport. You know, if it's not a team sport, then why is LeBron at home? You know, is Booker better than LeBron because they knocked out LA? Well, no, of course not. It's just that LeBron didn't have a very good team. Davis didn't play, and his teammates didn't show up. So it's still a team game. I'm sorry, it is. And you just need guys to show up every night. And, you know, Middleton's a guy who doesn't show up every night. And it was, you know, it was good to see him show up last night. And he really made a difference. And he's made a difference in a few other games. But, you know, it's on a night-to-night basis is where he doesn't do it, and that really affects Milwaukee's chances. So um, as far as Atlanta goes, you know, Atlanta, the Trey Young, he he took a lot of shots yesterday. Um, a lot of people were making the excuse that Trey Young got hurt. That's why they lost. But Trey Young was probably going to come out around the time he came out anyways. There wasn't that much time left in the third quarter when he came out of the game. He still led the team in minutes. He played more minutes than anybody else on that team. So that excuse of him being hurt, that's why they lost, is kind of dumb, if you ask me. He still played 39 minutes. Um, the He took 23 shots. He took a lot more shots than anybody else on the team. The next most was Bogdanovich. He took 16 if you're going to point at something 
to probably why they lost, I would look at Bogdanovich's shooting. Bogdanovich did not shoot very well, and he took a lot of shots. Um, and sometimes guys can shoot you out of games. And I felt like that happened to Dallas a lot with Tim Hardaway. Um, Tim Hardaway would come in and go one for 12, and Dallas would lose. And it's like, well, if somebody else took those shots and made even half of them, Dallas may have won. But the fact is, is Bogdanovich was two for 10 on threes. And sometimes, you know, he had eight points. Sometimes guys can shoot you out of games. John Collins, you know, didn't only take but eight shots. He made six of them. I, I don't know why he took so few shots. Um, I don't know if it's because... You know, Trey Young only had four assists. I don't know if it's because Young wasn't sharing the ball very much. Um, I know that's kind of a hot take. Young had no rebounds, and he only had four assists, and he had four turnovers. Um, I know a lot of people are on the Young train right now, but I thought he played pretty bad. You know, I know he shot 42% from three, and he shot 50% from the field, but he didn't share the ball. He took a lot of those deep threes, and... Those are bad shots. I just, I think they're bad shots, and I think his teammates think they're bad shots. And nobody likes them but Trey Young and the people who make the highlights on ESPN because they love to show those deep threes when he makes them. The problem is they don't show all the ones he misses, and those deep threes are usually rebounds for the other team because all the other guys are just kind of standing around and watching. They don't like those shots. You know, that was supposedly that was the first thing that Nate McMillan did when he became the coach of Atlanta. When they fired their head coach, supposedly Nate McMillan took Trey Young in a room and he showed him the film of him shooting the deep threes. And he goes, don't watch what you're doing. Watch what your teammates are doing. And every time he'd take one of those deep threes, their teammates would put their heads down and turn around and run back. And it's like, yeah, it's cool when you make one out of four of them. But it's not cool because you're missing three out of four. So he kind of did that, went back to that last night. He wasn't sharing the ball as much as he has been. And I, I, to me, that's one of the reasons they lost. Like I said, Bogdanovich was another one. He shot his way out. He shot out of that game. Um, Kevin Herter had a decent game, but he only took 11 shots. Um, Herter had more assists. He had seven. So he had three blocks. I thought it was a really good game from Herter, even though he only had 11 points. He really didn't get a lot of opportunities to shoot the ball. So maybe that's something they'll look at. I don't know. But uh, the next game is um, Tuesday. Now tonight is the Clippers-Phoenix. It's game five. Phoenix is up three to one. Um, this that series to me has been a little crazy. Uh, you know, to me, it, it it almost seems like the Clippers are a better team. They just can't figure out how to close the games. The closing of these games are really bad. Um, somehow Phoenix comes out on top every time. And to me, if Kawhi were there, Clippers would probably be up three to one. Um, I don't know what kind of effect the nose has on Booker. I'm sure it's uncomfortable with that mask, and that's one of the reasons he took that off. But Chris Paul hasn't shot very well at all since coming back from the COVID. Uh, I do think 
Phoenix comes home and wins the series tonight. Um, but like I said, after watching these games, I this the Clippers just don't have enough to win. And I feel like if Kawhi's there, I feel like they basically win the close ones. Whereas Phoenix probably wins the the one game that they kind of uh, I, it was the um, I guess it was game four or three. They're showing. Uh, I think maybe it was game one. Sorry, you know, game one Phoenix won handily. The rest is. You know, close games. You know, game one, like I said, I thought that game two, you know, uh, Phoenix won by one. That was the disastrous ending. Game three, Clippers won. Game four, Phoenix only wins by four. And it was another disastrous ending that just went out of control. You know, Boogie plays that that pass better in the second game where, uh, you know, the alley-oop to Aiton. You know, Boogie actually plays that properly. That's probably a Clippers win, you know. And then last night, you know, or of course, Paul George, he hits those two free throws. That Aiden Alley doesn't even happen, you know, because they're up by three all of a sudden, not only up by one. And so, to me, the Clippers have been there and they've had their chances. They just can't close it, you know. One of the stats they had when the Clippers played Dallas was that Dallas actually had a winning record in the clutch time is what they called it, the clutch minutes. And the Clippers had a losing record in the clutch minutes. And it kind of shows in these games how they just can't finish it in the clutch. And, you know, some people might overrate that stat, but in a playoff series, you're kind of seeing it. You're kind of seeing why it's, it, it is important, you know. Missing two free throws and then playing an inbounds wrong is what lost you a game, you know? You were winning that game. You had a chance to put it away. You just didn't do the little things that it took to win. And, you know, the same way in the last game. You know, they were there. They they could have had it, but they just they just couldn't do it. They lost by four, and now all of a sudden they're back in Phoenix where, like I said, I think Phoenix finishes them off. The rumor is, is Kawhi is a bit unhappy with the training staff in L.A., which kind of seems to be how it's going at this point. Um, now people are starting the Kawhi to Dallas memes on Twitter because, you know, Kawhi to Dallas makes more sense than uh, Lillard to Dallas. Kawhi to Dallas is much easier because all Kawhi has to do is turn down his player option and sign a free agent contract in Dallas. And it's just that easy. He'd be a free agent. And I, I think he's going to – I don't know if he has a player option or if he is a free agent, but they say he, he probably will be a free agent this offseason because he can sign a uh, a max deal for being a 10-year player and stuff like that. Now, whether he leaves L.A., I doubt it. You know, he'll probably tell Ballmer to bring in a new training staff. I don't know. But Dallas does have the best training staff in the league, so, you know, that's something. But Kawhi's kind of weird in that he's just he he doesn't trust these teams and it's it's just kind of an odd deal and maybe it's hard to play with or deal with I don't know, but it'd be nice to have him on the Mavs you know I'll let him sit twenty games a year who cares 
you know, if he can help us win in the playoffs, you know, so be it. But uh, other than that, I think I'm going to end the pod there. I'll do one later in the week. Um, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the Mavs Outsider. Um, if you could rate and review the podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast. And until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>